Good morning, family. Hope you're doing well today. So glad, thankful and glad that you're here. Um, just so thankful that you've chosen to be here this morning, or maybe you're watching at home online and just uh, appreciate your desire to be with God's people, to uh, lift up the name of Jesus as we remember what he has done for us. Um, if you're a guest with us today, we are, we are thankful that you're here and we would love to be able to connect with you. Excuse me, I choked on water about five minutes ago, so my voice is haywire. Um, we are glad that you are here with us, church, and uh, guests, we would love to be able to connect with you. You can take a picture of that QR code on the back of your chair, or even uh, text um, Emmaus OKC to 77411, and that will connect you with us, and we would love to be able to meet you, um, get to know you and your family, and, and whatever we can do to serve you. And of course, after the service, pastors are down here at the front of the of the of the church and just please approach us we would love that that opportunity uh, to talk with you this morning uh, we're going to start by reading some scripture together and i've invited my friend Brittany to come and so if you would go ahead and stand together and uh, we're going to do a responsive reading this morning all right if you would join me in reading psalm 86 verses 8 through 12 i'll be reading the regular font if you would read the font that's in all caps after me there is none like you among the gods, O Lord. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. For you are great and do wondrous things. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. If you'd pray with me now. Father, I thank you so much for bringing us here today and for the privilege of worshiping you. I ask right now that just as this scripture said, you would unite our hearts in fear and awe of you, that you would unite us collectively as your body, but also individually lord that you would unite the pieces of our heart together we so easily give pieces of our heart away to things that don't deserve them i ask that you would forgive us for directing our gaze onto things that will never satisfy that can't save us that can't bring us any joy and i ask that you would restore those pieces today that our hearts would be united wholly and turned towards you that we would direct our gaze um, not out and around us but up to you give us the strength to give you all of us to look at you and to give our heart to what will truly satisfy we thank you that you do great things and that you are worthy of our praise because no matter what happened this week no matter what's happening in the world around us you are worthy you died for us you have saved us and we will spend eternity with you and that alone is reason enough to give you all the glory and all the praise we love you lord we thank you again for bringing us here today and it's in your name we pray amen amen thankful for those truths in that prayer let's let's celebrate and turn our attention uh, to the Lord this morning Come, let us worship our King. 
creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we hear Christ be magnified. His name would burst from sea and sky, from rivers to the mountaintops. We hear Christ be magnified. Let's sing this out. Make this our prayer, Lord. Altar of my life, Christ be man. 
us to magnify him with this life. Let's sing this together. What can wash away my sin? Come on, sing it. What can make hope again? Nothing but the Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was spilled for us. Lord, that we can be whole, that we can have hope and a peace. Lord, we praise you for that this morning. for pardoning us, Lord. you done. All glory goes to you, Lord. Lord, we lay it down. Lord, we praise you and lift you. Oh, 
tells us in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It rises from the ends of heavens, and, and its circuit is to the ends of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servants also for presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me, and then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer.
high King of heaven. Let's lift our voices to him. you for your blood that was spilt for your glory and for our good. Lord, we come empty-handed and we lay it at your feet. Lord, that we would be magnified. Lord, that you would be magnified and lifted up in us. Lord, we pray for the word up today. Lord, may we see you, may we believe, and may we live for your glory and our good. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated, church. Got to turn it on. There we go. If you would, take your Bible and open to Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7, in the Old Testament portion of your Bible, as you are turning to Ezra chapter 7, let me give you a couple of uh, reminders uh, this morning. First off, if you have not already done so this morning, we are having our vote this morning to move ahead with phase one of our master plan. 
And out here in the lobby, just to the side, if you're a member of Emmaus, you can go over there and get a ballot and vote on, on that decision about moving ahead with phase one. So we want to make sure you've done that. Also, if you're a guest of ours, this morning we are having our Discover Emmaus lunch. This is a chance to hear more about the church, how to get connected, meet some staff members, ask questions. Immediately after the service, uh, we are going to read some scripture together. I'll pray for us. We'll be dismissed. If you need prayer, if you want to talk about becoming a Christian, we'll stay down here at the front. But also back here in the lobby on the north side, there's going to be a lunch set up. And we would love for you to stay afterward. Uh, by attending this lunch, you're not making a long-term commitment to Emmaus. You just say, I want to know more information about the church. And we would love for you to, to be a part of that. So if you want to do that, know that that's going to be right after the service this morning. Let me ask you a question as we get started and think about the theme of God's word for our church this morning. Do you remember your very first Bible that you had? Maybe as a kid, there was a Bible that you were given by a family member or, or a friend. Maybe in college, you were given a Bible for the first time and came to know Jesus. Or maybe there was a Bible that it wasn't the first one you ever had, but it was the first one you took seriously. The first Bible you remember opening and making notes in, reading on your own at home. I remember the first Bible that I had as a kid, at least the one I can remember the best. It had a little zipper around the edge, and man, I dominated that zipper during the church service. Like, just back and forth, opening that thing up. I loved, I loved that. Uh, back in the day, I don't know if they're as popular anymore, but those Bible covers, like the fabric Bible covers that would go around your Bible, and I'm pretty sure my grandmother had every bulletin for the last four decades stuffed in her Bible cover. Like, just kept every bulletin in there. And how meaningful it is to think about that first Bible that you had. Because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we grow casual, we grow bored towards Scripture. We just get used to it. It's around us all the time. Many of us probably have five, six, seven Bibles at home, not to mention we carry around a smartphone with incredible access to the Bible in there. What does it mean to understand the impact of actually being able to receive the Word of God? I want you to watch this quick video as we think about that question.
So part of the thing we pick up from that video is that Jaron has a lot of work to do with our praise team on dancing and, uh, and receiving, receiving the word of God, what that looks like. But uh, besides that, just the joy you see in receiving the word of God. When you look throughout history, every time there's a great revival in history where people get a fresh start with the Lord, their hearts are turned back to the Lord, one characteristic of every revival in history is there is a fresh love and hunger for the Word of God. Every time God does a fresh work throughout history, every time God does a fresh work in your life and, and in my life and in our church, one of the characteristics of that is a fresh love and a fresh hunger for the Word of God. That prodigals are drawn back to the Lord and they want to know His Word, to know what it is to live for Him. Pharisees who have grown prideful and cold toward the word of God, their hearts are warmed because they see what it is to receive God's love through his word. You may have gone through a path of discouragement. You may be in the middle of discouragement. You may be facing incredible difficulty in life. Where do we turn? God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And this morning, we want to talk about what does it mean to be a church that is based on the word of God, that when we come together, we don't come together to hear anybody's opinions or hot takes, we could do that somewhere else. We don't come together just to talk about the latest religious trends or whatever's going on in the world. We come around the word of God. Ezra, chapter seven in your Bible, let's look at this. Ezra chapter seven, verse one. Now after this, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sariah, and it's going to lay out for several verses Ezra's genealogy, his background. I've got several hard names to pronounce, so I'm going to skip some of those this morning, but you go all the way down to verse 5. All the way back to Ezra's lineage goes back to Eleazar and back to Aaron and Moses, back to Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra that we're talking about, he went up from Babylonia. All right, let's talk for just a second about what's going on because you know where you're at in your Bible here. What's happening in your Bible is the people of God who were living in the promised land, they were sent into exile. So they were sent to the east, to Babylon. They were essentially kicked out of the land. and they were, This happened back around 605 B.C. and then another group left in around 586 B.C. So they were out of the land for a long time. And then the Persian Empire took over, and they were able to begin coming back to the Promised Land. But here's the key. Not everybody came back at the same time. They, they came back in waves. Ezra is one of those later waves. Cool thing about the Bible, we can date this almost exactly to April 8th. 458 B.C., that he begins making his way back from Babylonia. He knows that the people, even though they've come back from exile, they're not fully living for the Lord, and he's burdened about that, and so he's going to lead a wave of people who are coming back. Middle of verse 6, what do we know about Ezra? He was a scribe, skilled in the law of Moses, that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Now when you hear that Ezra was a scribe, there's actually two sides to, to that word when you hear the word scribe. 
it has to do partly with his secular job, with his nine-to-five job, that, that he worked as a secretary in the royal official's office there in, in Babylon. So it has to do with the fact that he was drawn to note-taking. Uh, this is the person in your class or, or at work who actually takes all the notes. Like he wrote down everything that the teacher said, and he, was, he, he actually took the notes instead of doodling on his paper. He was driven in that direction, but not only did he do that for a job, But to be a scribe was also someone who devoted themselves to studying the Word of God. He knew the Word. He he knew the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament especially. He was devoted to the Word of God, and he was able to use his nine-to-five skills to help him teach the Word of God to to the people that that he was around. And he begins to lead this group of people back. Verse 7, There went up also to Jerusalem... In the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king, some of the people of Israel and some of the priests and Levites, the seniors, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants, and Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. Again, we're able to date this to August the 4th, 458 B.C. So in August 458, Ezra finally makes it with a group of people, and they make it back to the Holy Land. Verse 9 On the first day of the first month, he began to go up from Babylonia. And on the first day of the fifth month, so it took them four months total, he came to Jerusalem, for the good hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. I know I say this sometime, but I'm going to say it again. If you underline verses in your Bible or you highlight verses in your Bible, or you cut verses out of your Bible and you paste them up somewhere, Ezra 7.10. Underline it, highlight it, remember it. I'm going to go so far as to tell you to do this. In the front page of your Bible, the front cover, write Ezra 7.10 for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you ever find yourself asked to give a devotion, maybe Uh, at your workplace, somebody wants to do a Bible study, maybe at school they want to have a devotion, maybe you find yourself, somebody asks you to lead a little Bible study on Wednesday night for the youth group, or whatever the case might be, there is no better option than Ezra chapter 7 verse 10, because this thing is ready-made to teach a simple lesson about what it is to respond to to the Word of God. What do we know? We know, will you guys back up just for a second on that uh, Ezra 7.10? We know that Ezra had set his heart, meaning whatever we're about to find out, Ezra is completely devoted to this task. He's not just going through the motions. He's not just showing up at church because his parents made him. His heart is in this. He is devoted to this. What is he devoted to? Well, every good sermon or devotion or Bible study has three points. And guess what? They are laid out exactly right there. What is Ezra devoted to? What should your life be devoted to? Study the law of the Lord. Not just study it, but do it. And then turn around and teach others what you have learned. How great is this? What is the Christian life all about? That we have set our hearts on the hope of the word of God to study it because we want to know it. But we won't just want to know it in our heads. We want to do what we learn, and then we want to turn around and teach other people. So you're asked to teach a Bible study someplace. 
Ezra 7.10, you're like, oh man, what am I going to do for the Bible study? Oh yeah, Pastor Owen told me to write this in the front of my, front of my Bible. What are my points? We're going to study the Word, we're going to do it, and we're going to teach other people. Now, just for a minute, before we go on, let's break that down in, in a couple of pieces. What do we mean when we talk about studying the Word of God? What, what's going on there? When you look at that word for study, you find out that it is the word for searching or seeking or asking questions. How great is that? What does it mean to study the Bible? It is not a passive experience where you just sit and allow the information to wash over you. Studying the word of God is searching and seeking and doing the hard work of asking questions of the text. What's going on here? Who's it talking about? How do the pieces fit together? Friends, give your life to the study of God's word. Write questions in your journal. Fill up your Bible with questions and arrows and underlines. And I want to search after this. I want to seek this. I want to know the word of God. I don't want to be passive toward this. That we are humble we do the hard work of studying scripture. We don't just do this alone. We do this with other people. We ask questions of those around us. We learn with those around us. I hope, my hope is, I know some weeks are probably better than others, but my hope is that even in the way that we present the word of God on Sunday morning, you learn more about how to study scripture. That you're not just here to hear a monologue. God forbid that. But in hearing the word of God it drives you to study the Word of God because I want to search after these things. I want to know these things. I try every week to send out an email to our church family about what's going on. This week, in the weekly email that I send out, I'm going to attach a document that, that I put together with just some basics about how to study Scripture. So watch for that when it comes out. If that's of interest to you and you want to look at that, it's something I've sent out before, but, but I would love to send that out again, just more direction. We're going to look into providing some more opportunities coming up about how to study, learning more about that process. If you don't already receive our, our email and you're interested in that, you can use that little card in the seat back and just say, hey, could write your email and your name on there and ask, ask us to send you, uh, send you that email this week. But we want to be a people who devote ourselves to studying the Word of God. Why? You should ask why. Like, Owen, you don't understand how busy I am. <laughs> like, I'm going to school. I'm overwhelmed at work. I'm barely holding things together at home. Why would I give myself to studying this? Very simply, it is the Word of God. We study the Scriptures because we believe it is the Word of God. And I realize not everyone believes that. I, I'm very, very clear about that. But I want you to know that at Emmaus, we are going to stand on the fact that when we talk about the Scripture, it is the Word of God to us. That in Scripture, we find what is true. We live in a world where there's so much misinformation, so much confusion about who to believe and what to believe. We need something in our life that we can turn to and say, this is stable. This is trustworthy. We can turn to the Word of God. And then when we turn to the Word of God, we find a Word that is unified and unchanging. In our lives, it feels like everything changes all the time. You've been through so many difficulties this last year for many of you. And you turn to the Word of God, and what do you find? You find that the steadfast love of the Lord never ends. His mercies are new every morning Great is his faithfulness. 
You may be here this morning and, and there's a lot of guilt in your life, a lot of shame because of things that have happened yesterday or last week or last year and you carry that guilt with you. What do you find when you turn to the word of God? You find that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You find that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You find that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In a world where everything is constantly changing, it is such good news to turn to the word of God and find something that is stable. Find something that you can build your life on. And not only that, but the word of God is good. It is good, that we can taste and see that the Lord is good, is good and beautiful. And I say that for this reason, students, college students, young adults, let's just say everybody under, thir- or under 40, that way I can fit in that category. So uh, if you're older than 40, take that. But uh, everybody under 40, let's take this. The previous generation, whatever that previous generation might be, let's think through this for a second. There was a generation who fought a battle about whether or not the Bible was true. And that's important. That is absolutely important. It matters that we hold on to the truth of Scripture. Students, college students, young adults, you guys are living through a different battle, and it's whether or not the Word of God is good. And here's what I mean. In our culture today, when you talk about Scripture and you talk about claims from the Bible, those claims by many people in the world are seen as dangerous. They're, they're seen as, if I can use this word, ugly. Um, and, and you guys are coming up in a situation where the battle you're not going to face is whether or not the Bible is true. You're going to face a battle about whether or not the Word of God is good and where it leads us good. And I would tell you to give yourself to that study. Give yourself to the fact that when we look to Scripture, we not, fi- not only find something that is true, we find something that is good for our lives, that the path of the Word of God leads to righteousness. It leads to true and lasting joy. There's so many resources out there that we can, that we can look to, but we have to commit ourselves to this thing, that we believe that this is the Word of God. And if we believe that, we respond to it. <laughs> we do it. If you believe that the Word of God is good and true and beautiful and powerful, then we don't just receive it, but we respond. You know that verse... James chapter 1, verse 22, don't just hear the word, but do it. That when you come to a place like this to hear the word of God, or you read the word of God at home, God, protect my heart against just reading the word and not responding. How do we respond to the word of God? The most important way we respond to the word of God is trusting in Jesus for salvation that the word of God leads to salvation, that when we hear the word, we respond and say, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the way to salvation. I believe that without him, I'm lost. I'm I'm lost in my sin and my brokenness and the mess of this world, and I turn and I believe. There's a really great story uh, from the year 386 AD, not BC, but AD, about a, a man named Augustine, Some people pronounce his name Augustine, uh, but Augustine or Augustine, who was one of the key figures in the early church. And this guy's story is so interesting because later in his life, he became one of the great theologians in the history of the church. But early in his life, you think of any bad thing to do with your life, and he did it. 
He lived so far away from the Lord. He rebelled against his parents, especially against his mom who loved Jesus, and, but he rebelled against his mom. He chased after every new philosophy in the world. So just, just get this picture clear about Augustine and his life. Early in his life, he did all the teenage rebellion. He rebelled against his parents. He re- rebelled against the word of God. He lived for sin. He got to college and young adult age, and he chased after every philosophy and new idea that the world had to offer, and everything left him empty. He was walking around one time when he heard a little child singing a song about taking up the book and reading, and he thought maybe this was from the Lord, and so he went and he opened the scripture, and he read Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. He did what we would tell you not to do. Uh, There's a type of Bible study that we wouldn't suggest, which is just like open the Bible and point. Well, he opened the Bible and pointed, and it led him to Romans 13, verses 13 and 14. And his heart was open to the Lord, and he trusted in Jesus for salvation. And in many ways, it changed church history forever. When you hear the word of God, the word of God is able to open our hearts to salvation. If you've been to church, day after day, week after week, year after year, and you hear the word of God, be careful that your heart doesn't grow cold to that word. What is God doing in your life? How does God want to use his word to transform the way you live, the way you worship, the way you relate to people around us? God, use your word to change us. And then the third thing is, we want to turn around and teach other people. So I study the word, I do it, and then I want to teach other people how to do it. And you might say, okay, Owen, I'm cool with one and two, but I'm getting off the train here. <laughs> like, I'm okay with studying scripture, I love the Bible, I really do want to do what it says, but yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to teach other people. There's a very important distinction in the New Testament about two types of teaching. And, and we can tie these two types of teaching to two verses. Let me give them to you. James chapter 3, verse 1, says not all of you should be teachers. Meaning, there is a type of formal teaching where you teach as part of the church that there's a certain weight to that, and there's a certain calling to that. And and Scripture is clear, not everybody has that type of teaching. But there's also Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, where the writer of Hebrews says, hey, by this time, you ought to be teachers. What he means is, when you've sat in church for years and years and years and years, and you've heard the word of God over and over and over again, guess what? You're ready to turn around and teach other people. Maybe not formally, maybe not teaching a class, maybe not teaching as part of the church, but you are ready to teach others what it means to know and follow Jesus. And if you're not, number one, check your heart. Is my heart devoted to the word of God? And number two, let us help you. Let's help you get to that point where you could sit down over coffee, sit down over lunch, sit down with a group of people and say, hey, I don't know everything about the Bible. In fact, there's a lot of things about the Bible I don't know, but let me tell you some of the basics. Let me teach you what it is to know the word of God. And if you don't feel like you're at that point, dig into some of those competitive juices and say, I'm gonna get to that point. Like, by this point in my Christian life, I should be able to turn around and teach somebody else things about the word of God. And if I'm not there, 
I'm going to make a commitment today to get there. And let that be your commitment to drive you to say, I want to study the word, I want to do it, and I want to teach others. Let me give you an example of what this looks like, just for just, just a couple of minutes. Nehemiah chapter 8 in your Bible. I want to give you an example of what this looks like, and then we're going to wrap up. So if you go over to the next book in your Bible, so we're in Ezra, you just turn to the right, or you scroll down in your phone a little bit, it's going to take you to the book of Nehemiah. Remember, Ezra and Nehemiah were initially combined as one book. They were one scroll, and they were later divided into two. So we're going to go to Nehemiah, and I want, to, I want you to see another picture of what it looks like when the Word of God goes out to people. What happens when we encounter God's Word? This is Nehemiah chapter 8, but guess what? Ezra's still around um, at, at this point. It says here in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, All the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. This, not water gate like American history, but the water gate, the, the gate that was called the water gate uh, where you go in. This is 13 years after Ezra first came. So remember, Ezra arrived in 458 B.C., this situation is happening in 445. So we have jumped ahead 13 years. 13 years, Ezra has faithfully been teaching the word to the people. And guess what? Not much has happened. We are slow to hear the word of God. And we are slow to change. And Ezra, 13 years in a row, kept showing up and teaching those second graders. He kept showing up and teaching that Sunday school class. He kept showing up and preaching the word of God and said, we're not going to try something else. We're going to stick to what we know really matters. He just kept going. And here, they have not gathered at the temple because many of the people, especially the women and children, wouldn't have been able to come if it was there at the temple. They've gathered here in an open space, and they've gathered for the word of God. Think about how crazy it is. Just suspend the fact that we're used to coming to church. Step away from that for a second. How crazy is it that a couple hundred people have gathered here this morning, not for a speech, but we've gathered because of the word of God. Think about how profound that is. Like, I don't want to hear what somebody says on a Sunday morning talk show. I don't want to hear whatever the new trend is this morning on, on Sunday social media. I just want to gather because of the word of God. And the people have done the same thing here. They've gathered because they desire to hear the word of God. The middle of verse 1, the people told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. They were so hungry for the word, and let's be honest, by 13 years, Ezra might have been getting a little frustrated and a little tired. And, like, and the people said, no, 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 I know we haven't responded, but please give us the word of God. And I just have to tell you as a church family, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a church that wants to hear the word of God. That you're not looking for the newest strategy, you're not looking for another idea, you desire, you desire the word of God, and, and that, that's everything for us. I mean, we, we have to hold on to that moving ahead. Verse two, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, so even the children, even the children who could understand the words that were spoken were gathered there. And again, that's a beautiful part of our church. On the first day of the seventh month, 
and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. Don't any of you look at your watch this morning after he read for six hours from the word of God, okay? And not only that, look at the middle of that, look what happened in that verse. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So not only did they hear the word of God for six hours, but they were attentive to it. Remember, do what the word says. Like, respond to the word of God. Let that, let that, let that captivate you and, and, and desire that. Verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose and I'm going to skip a long list of hard names of his buddies that had hard names, and they stood with him up there. You go down to verse 5. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. Just a quick note about that. Uh, their standing for the reading of the Word of God is a really beautiful picture. It's a picture of reverence for the Word of God. It's something we'll do from time to time, and a lot of churches will do that when the Word of God is, is spoken, the people will stand. Sometimes this verse is misused in such a way that says, when the Word of God is read, you have to stand. The reason I don't think it means that is look at the next verse, verse 6. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The people that demand that you stand up when the word of God is read, very rarely have I seen them with their hands raised and then bowing down to the ground. This is one of those points of Bible study we want to be consistent <laughs> You make a big deal out of verse 5, you better be ready to make a big deal out of verse 6. Like, let's, let's make sure we understand the point of these verses. The point of the verses is they had reverence for the word of God, and they were not passive. They were responding. They were responding in worship. The word drives us to worship. The word drives us to want to respond to the word of God. And, and sometimes audibly, uh, it really is okay if you say amen. I, I love that. It's, it's okay. You know, you don't have to. I know we're not a church that does that a lot, but it's a good thing. If you want to fall down before the Lord and it's authentic, that's a beautiful thing. What we don't want to do is be passive and cold and complacent. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God, and this is such a fascinating verse. There is so much uh, neat background to this verse. They read from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. What's happening in this verse is the law of God is being read in the Hebrew language. Most of the people, though, can only speak Aramaic. And so it has to be translated to them. It's read in Hebrew, and then there have to be people spread out who can translate it and explain what it means. How great is that? This idea, here's the word of God, it's been translated for us, and then there are people spread out among the crowd who explain the meaning. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. They were in danger of only weeping and missing what this is all about. Verse 10. Verse 10, he said, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, 
Here's a phrase you probably heard before. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's where the joy is. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions to those who didn't have much. They're, they're caring for others. And to make great rejoicing because they had understand, understood the words that were declared to him. And then we don't have time to look at them in detail, but verses 13 through 18 just give another picture of this. When the word of God is proclaimed and the people understand what it means, what are their responses? They rejoice with great joy because of how great God is and they care for the people around them. What happens when a church is built on the word of God? That people will rejoice in how great their God is and they will care for those around them. What do we want to be as a church? We want to be a church who desires, who is hungry, who loves the word of God, who studies it, does it, teaches it to others. Our lives are built on that so that we will be filled with the joy of the Lord and so that we will care for those around us. And we know that as the word is proclaimed, people will be drawn to salvation. As we wrap up this morning, I know a lot of times we'll sing a final song or we'll have a time of prayer at the end, and that's good. Today, we're going to stand and read the Word of God together. You don't have to bow down. You don't have to raise your hands, but we are going to stand up. Would you stand with me right now? What we're going to do is we're going to have a series of passages on the screen. And together, best we can, stand in unison. I know it's hard reading out loud like this. But I couldn't imagine any other way to end the day without us reading the Word of God together. We needed to do this together. And let me say this. After we read the Word together, I'm going to pray for you, and we'll be dismissed. But hear me very clearly. If you're here this morning, and you are not a follower of Jesus, but your life needs hope and a foundation and the salvation that comes from Him, as soon as we finish, we'll be right here at the front and we want to pray with you. If you have questions about the Bible, if you just need someone to pray for you because of something going on in your life, don't leave this room without talking to someone. Don't leave this room without coming here and trusting in Jesus for salvation. Let's read these verses because we love the word of God. Here we go. The Son of Man came to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Christ died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for their sake and was raised from the dead. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has passed away. 
Behold, the new life has come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Father, those words are our hope. God, I know that there are people in the room today who have been through so much difficulty, so much pain in the last few weeks, the last year. God, there are people here who've come into the room this morning and they are facing a very, very hard decision this week. God, life feels like it's at a crossroads. They're trying to figure out which direction to go. Father, I pray that they would turn to your word. God, as a church, in the days ahead, let us not back away from the importance of the word of God. Let us read it during the week. Let us desire it when we gather together. Let us build our lives on it. God, that when we hear the word, we would respond with worship and faith and obedience. And God, as we go from this place, we go as those who believe that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for being here. If we can pray for you, please come down here at the front. We'd love to do that. Thanks again.